Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to MedHeads. Today we have on the show Rick Kiley, the CEO of VisionQuest. So Rick, you're a natural born guru and I'm really pleased to have you back on the show. Um, I wanted today to discuss resilience and coping with change because we're, we're filming this in the middle of the COVID epidemic that's affecting Australia and, and that's, that's imposed a lot of change on, on people. What's your view of change management and how to cope with change? How would you do it? How would you advise people to do it? Yeah, this is a good question, especially for what's going on right now and what's been going on the last couple of months. And you know, I don't think I don't think anyone has escaped the, the at least their life being like pressurized in some way and you know being forced into changes, you know, both professionally and and personally. Everything that happens in our lives is actually a blessing that's that's pushing us forward in a in a direction that's more true with our own you know our own true selves our true path our life path and this is this is you know it's it's scary in the moment it's hard sometimes to see how how it's doing that you know because when when changes happen we face uncertainty and we face unknown and as humans that's really uncomfortable but it's really it's really like the essence of being human you know all the from you know all the way through our lives and and until our deaths you know which is like the greatest adventure into the unknown but our whole lives we're every day we're stepping forward into the unknown you know we don't know what's going to happen like tomorrow we we really don't know what's going to happen but even in 5 minutes time you know you and I don't know the direction of this conversation so we're here stepping into the unknown and I, I believe that life is life is an intelligent and it's loving, and that we're here to fulfill a certain a certain role, a certain mission in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and life wants us to. So when things get, in my viewpoint, when things get out of control or when changes happen, when changes, especially when they're forced upon us, it's always pushing us towards a truer path. So. If I could reflect back to you what you've just said, what I'm hearing is that firstly, change is inevitable. Two, we are designed to change. Three, it's normal and it's okay to feel fear associated with that change. Is, is, that, is that an accurate reflection? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So let's yeah. talk about the fear that people experience when, when, they, when they are confronted with the need for change. What would you say about that? I would say I would say that one of the one of the best ways to transform that fear is to reflect reflect on your past in your life and look at the times when the biggest changes happened especially the things that were most like disruptive the things that in the moment that they happened or in the you know in the time after they happened felt like the biggest challenges and look at what good came out of those changes, you know, good that couldn't have come any other way or would have taken a lot longer to come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's the hardest times in our lives turn out to be the most, you know, the most like 
life-giving and the the greatest new opportunities for us <clears throat> and like you know an example in my life is when i was 21 years old and i got diagnosed with leukemia mm -hmm. uh, along with getting super sick and you know in the moment of that it was it was terrifying I, it was painful and you know it, it stayed scary for a long time but it turned into one of the most empowering things that ever happened to me and it was really the seed of this vision quest work you know coming into the world so you know talk about a change when you face your mortality through an illness or an accident or something like that like that's a that's a life-changing you know moment like overnight mm. so we all have you know you might not have something that drastic but we all have experiences like that in our lives that you know it could have been could have been a, a breakup or a bankruptcy or you know a, a, some kind of illness or accident and look at like look at the fact of it of what you gained from that experience and how it did improve your life so there's two things there. Firstly, there's, there's, there's almost the, the idea that a catastrophe is actually not necessarily a bad thing. It's simply a change in one's path. And secondly, for it to become a change in one's path rather than just something that is overwhelming is you actually have to have the time to reflect back on it and draw out the life lessons. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. How, how do you turn a positive spin on on something like that i mean how did you dealing looking back on your leukemia how did you put this positive spin on it that you, you that you've described that's a great question i i had a i had a lot of support from my parents you know i was 21 from my parents from from friends i also had a i saw a a psychologist who also called himself a spiritual broker and helped you, you know, in both ways, kind of in Western and Eastern philosophy of how to, uh, you know, how to heal yourself mentally and emotionally. And so that played, that played a big part in it. And I would say that that was, that was a huge part in it of, of connecting with my spirituality and being supported in that. And that still is like the number one thing that makes a difference for me in my life when I'm facing change, when I'm facing a hard time, when things feel stuck, is connecting spiritually for me. So that's, that's a big thing of, of, of for each person finding what that path is for them and how do they experience that deeper connection. So there's a couple of words there that I want to pick up on. So one is spirituality and the other one is path. For some people watching, who they may be turned off by the idea of higher power, spirituality. Uh, and some people are almost stoichastic in their thinking. They're very random. You know, life is all about random events. And if you've ever watched House, do you, you, know, you, you, know, you know the TV show House, the medical doctor, Dr. House? He, I mean, you know, if, he was, if House was watching this, <clears throat> he would say that life is meaningless and it's all about random interactions. So my question to you is, how important is it to have this concept of spirituality and path to actually then recover from change or deal with change or, or, or accept that change is merely, the catastrophic events potentially, they're not, they're not necessarily bad, they're just changes. How important is it to have that concept of spirituality and path? Or can you do it without those ideas? Yeah, another good question. I think... I. I mean, my, my 
my thoughts, my feelings on this are that it's it's really important. And what I see, you know, the the people who are attracted to the work that I do, which mm -hmm. is about taking the time to tune in deeply and to reconnect with yourself and reconnect with something deeper inside yourself. They are, you know, they, they have a sensitivity. They already have a sense, you know, some people call it like intuition or, you know, guidance, or it, it could just be even, you know, they're sensitive people that they're, they're feeling a lot, but that, that aspect of ourselves, you know, is not really nurtured in school and in jobs and in business and even in our, even in our personal relationships. So, but once it starts to, um, once it starts to happen, then you can't, you can't ignore it. And it's like, mm. if you do ignore it, like if you do ignore, say life is nudging you towards a certain path or you're, you're kind of getting, um, guidance, you know, I, I don't, I don't mean to sound too out there, but I just, I just see it over and over again with the people that I work with. They, they just need a space to start to listen to that, to that voice and that guidance. And that when they do, that's when magic starts happening and there's, they really start to trust themselves and to trust life and to see, to be able to go into changes with, with a, like just starting from the viewpoint of, okay, this could be hard right now. It could be, you know, scary. And I don't even know what's going to come out of this, but I trust that something good is going to come out of it. So sensitivity is not the same as weakness. No, <laughs> no. no. Uh, and I think what makes us feel weak is when we ignore our sensitivity. Mm. And there, there are a lot of people who are, are, are beginning to feel how sensitive they are. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm helping people understand what that sensitivity is about and how it's actually, um, actually a gift that's been given to them to help them fulfill their purpose. Yeah. But if it's ignored, then it becomes like a liability. You know, it becomes something where we're just feeling we're it's like we're feeling too much you know mm. and we're you know you could feel anxious you could feel you could even feel numb mm. um whereas this you know the people who are sensitive can connect with other people they can understand things more deeply so we're not talking about the sensitive child at school who was always bullied we're talking about very strong individuals who are able to activate almost their internal antenna and listen and receive messages from wherever the source might be to the, that actually will guide them on their right path. Is, is that what you're saying? Sure, sure. Right. Well, the first thing is, you know, it, it, could, be, it could be the sensitive kid who was bullied in school. And, the, mm. it, you know, that kid just wasn't, wasn't in an, an environment that nurtured that sensitivity. Mm. But I think that there's so many more people who have just kind of taken a middle path where... You know, we, we, it's until you really embrace your sensitivity, it's a little mm. bit hard to exist in the normal world. Like you kind of have right. to shut down a little bit and right. pretend like you're not that sensitive. Yeah. But when you do, when you do embrace it, then you, mm. and you see it as a strength, then it, you know, it does allow you to hear messages from, you know, messages from inside of you, messages from outside of you. 
And one of the most beautiful ways of that is just in, in our interactions with other people, in our, in our relationships and in our conversations. And, you know, messages come a lot of the time through other people and through, through those conversations and from you to the other person as mm -hmm. well. Uh, so being able to hear that and understand that and, and follow the impulse when it happens is really important. How do we embrace our sensitivity? There's a couple things. So one is I really encourage people to journal. And, you know, there's just something about writing and, and writing exercises and asking, asking yourself questions and then taking the time to listen for a deeper answer that lets you find, you know, solutions for your life. Um, <clears throat> even just allowing yourself to express yourself freely, writing things down and not censoring yourself and expressing your emotions and your, your anger, your frustration, your fear. They allow you to start to um, bring up to the surface what's inside of you, you know, whether it's your thoughts, your feelings, or kind of, you know, deeper messages. So that is one way where you get to kind of, you get to know yourself and get to get to know your sensitivity. Mm. Um, wow, what a, this is a great question. How do you embrace your sensitivity? I think another way that's important is, is slowing down, uh, slowing down in your interactions with other people and slowing down before, before responding to things, before, um, you know, doing things and feeling if, if it feels right for you, if you, if you want to do it, if it feels inspiring, doesn't mean you'll, you know, you'll always feel, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be inspiring or like, you know, really happy or, you know, sometimes we just got to do things like, you know, our accounting or something like that. That's a little bit mundane, but just to take the time to, to know if, if this is right for you, is it aligned with your path? Is it going to take you closer to your vision or, you know, distract you from your vision. Mm. And to know that you have to know where your path is going, don't you? Yeah. So, so this is, there's kind of two sides to this, which is to know, to know your destination is, is so important. You know, it's like if you were going to get in your car and drive from, um, you know, Sydney to Brisbane, how much easier is it to know? one, what your destination is, and two, what the path is to get there, you know, to put it in Google Maps. It just saves so much time of just, you know, driving so far and looking for signs and stopping and asking for directions and all that. So to know where you're going and to know how to get there is, is really important. However, uh, it, takes, it takes something special to know that. Either, you know, some people maybe were just born with a, a super clear calling that they never lost touch with. Mm. Uh, most of us need to do a, you know, a process mm. or something to clarify that vision. But in the meantime, the, what I found your truest guide to that vision until you, you know, see it and know what it is, is, is a sense of inspiration, feeling, you know, feeling like a sense of energy um, nudging you forward in a certain direction and you got to, you got to take the time and slow down and feel it. And then when you feel it, follow it. Right. Okay. So th this, this conversation started out by discussing, you know, change because, you know, we've agreed that change is, in is inevitable and, and COVID 
this pandemic has imposed upon us all a significant amount of change. And there will be those people out there who are struggling with this change. What message of hope would you give to those people who are struggling with change? I would say that you, you have no idea how much your life can change, mm-hmm. <clears throat> how fast it can change, mm-hmm. how much for the better it can change, and that often the, the fastest and most direct way is by an intense shakeup in our lives and being, being exposed to in, intense situations that we, we know that we can't tolerate this forever, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a, you know, whether it's a, a, a work situation or a home situation or even, even an inner state you know, a really uncomfortable emotional state or mental state. Sometimes things have to get so tough that we, that we say enough is enough. Something's got to change. And it's like, you know, we're kind of stuck and we're focused down and we realize there's got to be a better way. And it's like, you lift your head up, you start to, you know, lift your head up and look for what else is available. And we yeah. may, you know, one of the one of the best things that those tough situations do is, is it, it pushes us to ask for help. So I often, I mean, what you've said triggers in me this this idea that I often think about change management according to that the, that nineteen eighties nineteen nineties parable of management, which was who moved my cheese. You know, where you've got the, the two mice and the two humans and the two mice sniff and scurry. They're always proactively looking for change and they're, they're analyzing every situation. They're looking for opportunities. And then you've got the two humans, the hem and haw. Hem just won't accept change at all. Haw has to be dragged into accepting change. But then eventually he does accept change and learns that change is inevitable and that he has to prepare for change constantly. And, and that if he can prepare for change, he can become more resilient and stronger and actually cope better in life. What you've just said there is, to me, uh, haul. You know, you have to be dragged into accepting change, but, 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 and it's tough, but then if you get there and if you learn how to deal with it, you become a better, more successful human being. Is, is that a fair analogy about, you know, hem and haw and the, the acceptance of change? Yeah, yeah, that's good. My, <laughs> my dad gave me that book, Who Moved My Cheese, about 15 <laughs> years ago. Yes. And I, I read it, but I, I forgot the details of the hem and the haw. But, yeah, you know, there are, it's it's like you can either go yes and seek seek change proactively, yeah. Or you can wait till you can be stubborn, and you yeah. can just sit there when things start to get tough. And it's like yeah. life backs you into a corner, yeah. And then once once it gets too hard, you stand up and you come out swinging, yeah. <laughs> and you, you fight die. your way out of that corner. Yeah. If you yeah. don't get out of the corner, you die. So it's actually a survival instinct, you know. But surely it's better to actually proactively manage change, isn't it? It's surely it's <laughs> yes. better to have that mindset where change is inevitable and my success is dependent on my ability to change. How do you, how do you, def- or do you think there's a reason why some people react to change, meet change head on, whereas some people effectively bury their head in the sand? What do do you think there's a reason for that? Do you think resilience I, comes I, into play for that, man? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what determines how how proactive someone is about seeking out change in their nature. Yeah. I have seen that once you know once you know what your your vision and your purpose is, it becomes a lot easier to be proactive about change. Yeah. 
And one of the lessons that I've seen and one of the lessons that I teach is that you can, you can, see, you can seek out that change proactively mm. once you know what your vision is. And then, right. you know, there's a sense of that you still have to face, um, there's like a pain aspect of it. So mm. when you're proactive about it, the pain comes from stepping outside of your comfort zone on the way to a dream. Mm. And, but that, you know, that way is so much better because you get to live more of your dreams. You have forward momentum, you know, when challenges arise, it's, you know, cause you're, you're moving and you can, you can adapt and move and your forward momentum can go through obstacles. So there, that's the way to proactively, you know, seek out change and move towards your dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, like we said before, you can also just wait for life to back you into a corner and slap you you know, across the face with some loss or an illness like I had, and then you're forced to stand up and change. But uh, as, far as, the, as far as your nature about how you respond to that, I'm not, I'm not sure. I would just say, know what you want and why. You see, I think that I resilience think that comes, resilience into, comes into, into this uh, a lot. People who have resilience are better able to cope with adversity. They're better able to deal with change compared to those who, are, who don't have resilience. And resili- a lack of resilience is also associated with you know, increased levels of uh, human suffering, increased mm-hmm. levels of uh, drug and alcohol abuse, and basically on various levels, a, a decreased ability to cope. And resilience is is not it's not some kind of thing that you can develop it you know the, you're 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 given resilience in the womb and you're given resilience in your first two to three years of life so if you grow up in a nurturing caring environment where you, your mother and father loved you and you weren't abused and you weren't neglected and you had stimulation uh, then you have a lot of resilience which then empowers you for the rest of your life so so a lack of resilience can uh, can really upset you and can hamstring you literally from the age of two. And I mean, one, one example of this, this, this lack of resilience uh, or, or the ability to survive really because uh, as associated with social and human interaction was, is it was an experiment done by, the, by one of the French kings a couple of hundred years ago. He wanted to see if children who were completely removed of social interaction would learn to speak. Right? So he basically got these kids and had them nurtured by, by nannies who were ordered never to speak to them. Mm-hmm. And these kids all died. Right? It's not that they didn't learn really? any language. They all died. They, 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 so the experiment had to be terminated because these kids died. These kids died because of a lack of social interaction. So, so for me, you know, resilience is all about the positivity of your social interactions, which begin at birth, and which are most important at, you know, between the ages of one, two, three, when your parents are interacting with you and, and, and you're, you're developing that sense of warmth, trust, and, so, and you know, relationships, mm. which then carries you on to, into adulthood. So for me, the ability to meet change head on is determined by one's resilience, which is determined by the positivity of one's relationships, especially in the very early formative years. So I wonder, what I'm getting to now is with, in, in, in the services that you provide and in the work that you do, how important do you think 
social relationships are in your quest, your journey, and coping with change? Yeah, the 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 relationship side of things is a really is a really special part of people's visions, and you know, one of the things that that I encourage people to look at is you know when we're at the end of our lives and we're reflecting back on our lives, you know, say you're sitting there and you're you're all old and wrinkly and cute and gray, and you're thinking back over your life, what are you going to be? remembering with the most fondness and it's probably going to be the people that you shared the adventure of your life with even people that you know things got hard at times you know you can think of you know relationships or you know business partners or family members but there's something about even the hard times that that creates a bond between people and an appreciation and you know it's it's just like being on being on an adventure you know a, a mm-hmm. true expedition or a journey and when things get tough that's when that's when you know bonds are are formed um and and so it's it's just an easy thing for us to overlook in our daily lives you know we we can take our relationships for granted and you know, take for granted that, you know, our, our parents are still alive or, you know, that we have, you know, dear, dear friends that we might not live near, but, you know, we could pick up the phone and reconnect with them and just check in with them. And, um, so this, this is, you know, a part of, a part of my process and what I encourage people to do is just be aware of the relationships that are around you and nurturing the important ones, because it's really, you know, all our, all our achievements and our dreams are wonderful. But we're not going to be looking back and, and going, you know, or I remember that, you know, five bedroom house that I created and, you know, <laughs> that, that really warms my heart. I mean, that's really cool. That's, it's great, but it's going to be the, the people and the relationships. And a big part of our, of our purpose for most people is about the way that you uplift and empower other people. And those relationships where you are, you're con- contributing to someone else's life. Yeah by by being you and doing what you love to do mm-hmm. and also receiving letting other people contribute to your life and letting letting other people fulfill their purpose by helping you so those like those i, I feel you know are some of the most fulfilling exchanges between people uh, and that's that's how i look at you know the professional side of things is if if you're not you know interacting with people at that level why not? You know, you can be. You have something unique to to give and uplift other people with. So, listening to what you say, it's reminded me of a couple of things I want to bring up. So, firstly, you know, no one on their deathbed thought to themselves, "I wish I'd spent more time at the office." Point number one. <laughs> Point number two: there are no atheists in foxholes. And <laughs> point number. Point number three. The quality of our humanity is determined by the quality of our friendships. What do you think about those statements? I mean, they're, they're deliberately provocative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I would agree with those. Um, I, I think that, I think one thing I would love to encourage people to do is to, to in order to, to connect deeper with life and themselves, is to be open to deeper connections with with other people, other people, and yeah. you know, 
sometimes sometimes people start that deeper connection within themselves but other people they they can feel that deeper connection more quickly with other people and that that just sort of depends maybe on your nature and and how you're wired yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'd like to ask you Fergal what it, what have you seen in terms of uh, supporting people to be more resilient what what have you seen that people can can do and start to change like can people can people start to ch- change their behavior in terms of relationships and then and then you know reap the rewards of more resilience so if in my in my clinical experience the first the first point is acknowledging that there is a problem and accepting that there is a problem so the two the two are different acknowledging a problem is different from accepting a problem because acceptance actually means i have to do something about it and change the next point is to, is to understand that you can never do whatever it is that you need to do to improve on your own. For me, it is the quality of the relationships that allow us to actually, that, that drive us, that, that give us the energy to actually make those changes. So in answer to your question, yes, I've seen people develop resilience or at least improve the levels of their resilience. From a, from a lower base than, than, than others. And I've seen them do it by nurturing and learning how to develop uh, and, and, and manage their relationships. And a part of that is also the rupture and repair process because you've got to accept that you're not perfect and you're going to screw up. And it's the ability to acknowledge your own faults and to then try and attempt to repair those relationships with other people that is, that is also very important. So, you know, a rupture is not necessarily the end of a relationship. And I've seen people lurch from destructive relationship to destructive relationship because they, they don't understand the need for rupture and repair. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. It's always the, the case when, we, when we're talking, uh, and, I'm, and I'm sorry to say this, but we are gonna have to bring this to a close now. If I could summarize, I'm, I'm going to ask you for one message of hope. But before I ask you that question, if I could summarize what I've t- taken from this discussion with you, is that basically the ability to cope with change is predicated on the ability to see change as an opportunity to look at the Google map again of your life and to then ask yourself the question, where am I headed? Where do I need to change? And then secondly, to ask yourself the question, what relationships can I develop to actually drive myself forward to my final destination. Is that accurate? And what message of hope would you give to our listeners? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good way of, of putting it. And my, my final message uh, would be when, th- when, when things are getting hard and unpredictable and, you know, you thought things were going to go a certain direction and now there's just there's no stopping that they're going in another direction even though you don't you may not know what that direction is yet you will and to uh to i, I want to back up your message of to keep your you know your human relationships nurtured so you know pick up the phone and call your parents or you know one of your best friends from high school or you know, earlier on in your life or someone who's in your neighborhood that you, you never see because they're in your neighborhood uh, and, and reach out and nurture those relationships and, and test, this, test this theory that we're talking about of 
if your relationships are, you know, if you have good, positive human connections, human relationships, how's your resilience? And see if you can experiment with that and find, find the truth in that for yourself. Rick Kiley, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks, Virgil. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's MedHeads. If you want to know more about Rick Kiley and VisionQuest, go to visionquest.com. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong. See you next time. Thank you.